This is Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco, 89.5 FM. It's Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Hanam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, we got a great show, but we need to let our listeners know that, uh, you know, Arab Talk, along with Muslims, Latino children, people of color, we're, we're part of the mix in terms of being banned, being targeted, being identified, and being selected for our free speech. And I think at least part of the show today, we're going to connect all the dots among all of these things. But there is a, as people who listen and watch Arab Talk know, that this is a time of extreme anti-Arab, anti-Muslim, anti-Palestinian, anti-Latino, anti-people of color attitudes, and now laws that are acting to oppress our free speech and our ability to move freely. It's, it's really being ratcheted up pretty significantly. It is. And, and you know, of course, last week we were talking uh, and, and Jesse were traveling uh, on a special assignment, special. I should say. But uh, our show, we focused on the immigrant children uh, who were separated from their parents, and this was the topic on Arab talk. Of course, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court, which upheld the travel ban on Muslims, m- Muslims or majority countries with uh, Muslims. Well, I don't think we should. Uh, and, I don't think we should soft-pedal it. It's and, Muslims. And, and, and yeah, and we're going to talk about this. But I also want to share an experience that we had last week. Which right. We also, as usual, we broadcast live right here in San Francisco on KPOO, 89.5 FM. KPOO is one of the oldest radio stations in San Francisco. No, west of the Mississippi. It's and one of the KPOO oldest. KPOO is a legitimate, I guess, radio station broadcasting on 89.5 FM. It's approved by the FCC. And guess what? When uh, last week we we uh, broadcasted our show also as we usually do and as our listeners uh, are watching us right now on Facebook, uh, I should repeat that, on Facebook. Facebook Live. Facebook censored our show. This, so, is, not the, this is not the first so, time so they've censored this cen- is not the us. first, you know, no. they, they usually, they, they, they take, you know, they, they take the show after we post it, after the live broadcast or if we attempt to distribute it or boost it or whatever. So last week, uh, and we were talking about, again, you know, I should say, you know, the uh, Trump administration and its action in separating families in the United States. And at the end of the show, just like what we do uh, Every every time, I've posted the show and then we basically got put in a holding pattern by Facebook with the uh, with the sign saying in review, like they're reviewing the show. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Our listeners need to know this, Jamal, yes. that we, we broadcast on Facebook Live. After Facebook Live is over for Arab Talk, we have the opportunity to post it and then send it throughout contacts on or, or boost it. So or it, boost so it. it. stayed in review for two days. So instead of going live, instead of being posted well, immediately. Live. We did No, but in, instead of it getting distributed afterwards. But to, to, to basically post it and then later on their decision was to, to, reject, to it. reject it. Unacceptable. And. Unacceptable. And because this is what we, we, what we were told. And I have the, the email, email to, to prove this. You know, so, of course, Facebook doesn't make it easy for you to contact anyone. It's not like you can pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you censoring me? You have to dig deeply through their help section, blah, 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 and get a form and, and basically uh, submit a, uh, an appeal, kind of like a review, like, why are you censoring us? And then the initial answer it was because our show was political. That's have you heard? Political. What happened to to the First Amendment and freedom of speech? Because it was political and that I have to fill a form. Saying that you're a political organization. And I'm like, 
Dude, no way. I'm a journalist. I've been a journalist <laughs> for decades. Uh, we broadcast on KPOO, a public access radio station right here in the Sa- in the San Francisco Bay Area. For over 10 years. Uh, we, uh, the KPOO is sanctioned and approved and licensed by the FCC. Why are you censoring us? So after four or five days, they... They held on for four days. Yeah, yeah they held days. the show in, 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 the, in review. And then they sent me an email saying, oh, we've determined that you, <laughs> which is ridiculous, that your show is not political. We've determined... And, and but they're, uh, not actually, the fi- they're not the final deciders. No, no, no. I'm actually, I'm going to pull exactly what they wrote us. That's and, really and unacceptable. Because, which is, you know, because our show is about, you know, talking about censorship and about the silencing of academia in, on no, college campuses. the silencing of uh, voices who are typically marginalized and oppressed in this country. We... Our show is about giving voice to those people who don't have a voice and uh, a voice in discussing issues that aren't allowed on mainstream traditional corporate media. So here I'm just summarizing the letter, the email I received from Facebook. Hi, Jamal. Thank you for contacting us about your post. You reviewed it and they put the number of the post again and have determined that it does not need to be labeled as a political ad. Political ad? It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, so uh, you, know, uh, you know, so now it's approved, blah, 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 uh, have a great day, exclamation mark, after they basically censored us for about, you know, and my email to them when I finally was able to reach them, uh, my email to them was saying, uh, hey, you know, I've read your, all your policies and I don't know how we violated your policies because that's what they were saying. I'm a journalist and public radio talk uh, show host on KPO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. And uh, this is a weekly current affairs show approved by the FCC. We don't use foul language, hate speech, incitement, etc. Please be specific as uh, as to why it was not approved. Thank you. So they didn't have an answer. They just said kind of like, oops. So let me see if I can understand this, Jamal. Facebook, who's been selling personal information and analytics on over 2 billion people in the world to make money. So people need to understand that. Facebook sells information about its users in order to make money. They make money by posting ads. Facebook was instrumental in uh, promoting uh, hate speech, through the uh, influence of Russian bots and Russian hackers, Cambridge, who sold, or shouldn't say sold, gave their data to Cambridge Analytica, which then used it to sway the election here in the United States. They have the audacity to come to us and say, you are political, we're going to reject and not let you boost or kind of propagate or promote, rather, your your free speech, your protected speech. I mean, it is really not just hypocrisy, Jamal, but it seems yet another attempt through this surveillance machine, which is really what Facebook is. It's this large surveillance system to try to, to, tr- to, try to control the speech that you and I have, which is not part of the mainstream. This is really outrageous. It is outrageous. I didn't want to like uh, spend a lot of time talking about our issue with Facebook censoring us no, last but we week should. and we on should. other occasions. Because, but this is part and parcel of this whole atmosphere that we have right here in the United States. That's why we call the show. Banned. banned in the USA. So if you, if you, uh, you if know, you're a Muslim, if you, so if, if you're, you're on uh, on the air <laughs> and on Facebook Live, they keep an eye on you and they'll ban you. By the way, I I have actually a a message from one of our regular viewers, Malcolm L. Rigsby, and he said his post was banned when he posted something about the USS Liberty, and they removed it. So, so you know. Uh, well, this seems very selective, Jamal. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying, 
we urge all of our listeners uh, on the air and viewers on Facebook to to share our videos, to share them with your friends. And who knows, we might have to look for another platform because uh, if no. they're going to be like no, we will, we will, we will confront this, Jamal. We're not going to look for a new platform. We may develop additional platforms, but we are going to fight this. We're going to pursue this. We're not going to let Facebook, which is, I mean, can we remind our listeners about, uh, you know, Facebook, some of the leadership of Facebook and what they've done to basically give away the the kind of most intimate details of its users. And and it's, it's, it's an outrageous platform. We do use it. We but, use it because so it's what? a huge, large yeah, platform. But I we mean, are going to criticize it when appropriate. And and quite frankly, for Facebook, given all of its kind of uh, uh, depraved things that it's done over the years, including not being honest, Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg have lied to Congress and have lied about the number of breaches that have happened at Facebook where personal information has been hacked, stolen, or sold. They have the audacity to reject and control what we say is truly outrageous. You're absolutely right. So now we want to shift uh, gears and talk at the talk about the most important issue at at hand for but this what is, I don't many, know. many issues. I mean, actually. for the last 24 but, hours. you know, last 24 hours, 48 hours, you know, the Supreme Courts, uh, Supreme Courts basic, basically upheld President Trump's ban on travel from several predominantly Muslim countries. You remember I said predominantly Muslim countries because the initial ban was on Muslim countries, period. And then they massaged that language and they added Venezuela and North Korea, so they can tell the world, nah, you know, it's it's we're not targeting Muslims. So uh, you know, so basically on Tuesday, a couple of days ago, they delivered a political victory. It was a political and victory. an endorsement of Trump's power to control immigration at a time of political upheaval about the treatment of migrants at the Mexican border. I mean, here we have children crying, being put in cages, separated from their families, and the Supreme Court, in a decision five to, to four vote, the courts, a conservative, said that the president's power to secure the country's borders, I'm kind of paraphrasing, delegated by Congress over decades of immigration lawmaking was not undermined by Mr. Trump's history of incendiary statements about the dangers he said Muslims posed posed to the United States. So everything that Trump had said before during his didn't campaign count. didn't count. So I he mean, could be racist. He can be racist. He could he, he, he could can be, be a member of the he could be the supreme leader of the KKK or whatever what they, what they call the the leader of the KKK. Grandmaster. Grand, grand wizard. The grand, he wizard. could have been a, a grand wizard of the KKK. That's okay. You know, that is no, that's in no way a reflection to his decision uh, of hatred and Islamophobia targeting Muslims. Yeah, absolutely, Jamal. And this will, his, was, this will go down historically. This particular Supreme Court, which stands at the precipice of reformulating itself to be even more conservative. But this will go down in history, Jamal, as being among the most uh, racist decisions, politically motivated racist decisions that the Supreme Court has made. You know, they, uh, they even acknowledge the Japanese internment camp decision, you know, where Japanese Americans, and not German Americans, not Italian Americans, but Japanese Americans were interned after, during, you know, when World War II started, even though, you know, Germany and Italy were, you know, the axis that was involved in attacking, you know, the other countries in the United States. They didn't imprison uh, Italians and uh, Germans. They just, they just, uh, interned Japanese Americans. Now, even though that was that, that's the famous Korematsu uh, yes. case. Yeah, you know about that, which they gave deference to in this decision. Yet, despite that, they had the audacity to uphold 
the Muslim ban 3.0. So they taketh with one hand, uh, taketh away from, you know, basically uh, giving Trump a win for his racist ban while giving deference to the Korematsu case. And, and the Korematsu case, which uh, just to remind our listeners, this is a 1944 case uh, when the Supreme Court in a vote of six to three voted basically in favor of interning Americans who were of Japanese descent. Yes. We have to re- uh, to remind our listeners, most of these people were Japanese Americans. No, they were Americans. Americans of Japanese descent. descent. And and they uh, the court voted even worse than the five to four. I know, six to three. Six to three, uh, that decision, which basically affected uh, the lives And even though the Korematsu decision was overturned, and as I said, in this case, they gave deference to it, at the same time, they have emboldened a kind of imperial presidency in Trump by you know, giving him the sanction, if you will, the approval, the good housekeeping seal of approval from the U.S. Supreme Court that it's okay to ban uh, an ethno-religious group. I mean, the conservatives, the KKK, the Islamophobes all over the world are literally celebrating this day when the Supreme Court has made a kind of a painfully partisan and painfully uh, political decision. Now, what's interesting, and we'll, we'll come to this, Justice Kennedy, who announced his retirement, even though he was appointed uh, by Reagan, I, Ronald Reagan. By Ronald Reagan, exactly. Considered, and by the way, from Northern California, from Sacramento, even though he was a conser- conservative uh, in air quotes, he made he he's probably more of a libertarian and sided with, you know, the the kind of more progressive judges on the Supreme yeah, Court. You absolutely. Know, he uh, he's Ro- actually the v. Wade Roe v. Wade, but LGBT issues. He was the one that voted in favor of marriage equality and and kind of has always been on the side of supporting LGBTQ result uh, uh, rights. Now that he's going to retire, Jamal, you know, we're really facing a generational shift of the Supreme Court such that we are going to see erosion of uh, rights of, of women to decide the fate of their bodies, you know, a, you know otherwise known as, as uh, Roe v. Wade. We're going to see more of an erosion of civil liberties for oppressed communities in the United States I don't know what else to say, but this is a huge win for white supremacy. I mean, this, and, and, there's no other way to talk they've about. They've already it. voted to upheld the they upheld the Muslim ban, basically. Absolutely. And even with the they crushed the union. So unions know. are uh, the the decision that also favored the Trump administration was saying that as a union member, it, you, you didn't have to join the union. I mean, it's a it's kind of a it's a complex rule, but basically, uh, it's going to disempower unions so that unions in the past were empowered because people who were unionized paid dues and you know had a kind of collective power in them. This undermine the collective power of unions to do their collective bargaining. So what we're seeing, Jamal, this is even with Justice Kennedy, now that he's going to retire, and they are going to push through, you know, despite what uh, Mitch McConnell said, you know, that we should never, you know, rush a nomination for the Supreme Court during an election. We're in the middle of election. They're going to do it anyways. We're really seeing a potential shift in the Supreme Court that will have generation after generation of generation of erosion of civil liberties and protections for oppressed communities. I think it's a pretty dark day. Actually, many people would say that what's happening on the Supreme Court is actually a darker turn for oppression in the United States against, you know, uh, marginalized people than even the presidency of Donald Trump. Donald Trump will come and go. Supreme Court is a lifetime appointment, Jamal. So we're talking about the court, you know, being in this dramatically uh, conservative shift, staying on for 10, 20, even 30 years. So it's, it's, it's pretty disturbing. It is uh, pretty disturbing. We also should acknowledge uh, the judges that voted against it, like uh, uh, Judge Sotomayor, who actually— Judge Kagan. 
Kagan and Judge Breyer. That's right. Judge Ginsburg. And she wrote. She basically wrote the dissent, dissenting uh, argument. Yeah, it's very powerful. It was very powerful. Judge Sotomayor. Yeah, she probably wrote among the most poignant and beautiful uh, uh, rebuttals to this. That uh, I don't. I mean, I encourage our listeners to go read Judge Sotomayor's uh, kind of uh, uh, dissenting view. On the Supreme Court, it's it's actually quite uh, quite brilliant, but this is this is where we're at. We live in a time, Jamal, where in a country where, and they're still separating children from their parents. You have two thousand children that have not been reunited with their families still, even though a judge in California ordered the Trump administration to reunite children under five within, I think, 10 days and children above five within 30 days. We, there's, there, we know of only six children that have been reunited in the last week. That's what the H, HHHS, HSS, Health and Human Services uh, uh, statistics say, that they've only reunited six children of over 2,000 children that were separated from their uh, parents, mostly their mothers. We have now, in the United States, Jamal, indefinite detention. We have a Guantanamo style of detention facility for these children without, without legal rights, indefinitely detained, separated from their parents, being traumatized in ways that will affect their development for the rest of their lives. And this is, this is the United States. When people say, Jamal, that this is not our country, I have news for them. This is our country. This is the United States. This is what the United States does. Full stop. You're right. And uh, we just, I want to uh, segue here a little bit to a uh, breaking news. Uh, oh, what happened? Been, we've been monitoring this it's a the developing story uh, just at least five people uh, were killed and several o- others were gravely injured in shooting uh, at the capital gazette in Anne Arundel County that's in Maryland oh really yeah a shooter and and and, and you came back from the DC area just yeah. last week a shooter is currently in custody according to the police, and the police would not name the suspect or say what type of weapon was used. Uh, again, uh, Anne Arundel County uh, police initially confirmed that uh, th- uh, about 3.15 p.m. Eastern time that they were responding to an active shooter, uh, basically at the newspaper's uh, offices uh, at 888 Bestgate Road, uh, the uh, the a- uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives also responded uh, to the scene. It's very disturbing news. Uh, the Capital Gazette is owned by the Baltimore Sun. Okay. So so there is five there, dead. So five dead. How many injured so and, far? And they had several people who have been injured. Very disturbing. So far, they. I, I was looking to see who is the. They say active shooter, so it's uh, so it's not plural. Uh, I, I assume it's one one person who did all the shooting, and they say the gunman. You know, this is according to eyewitnesses. Uh, it was a lone male gunman, and the gunman shot through the glass door to the office and opened fire on multiple employees. Uh, we don't know what's the reason so far behind this, but again. This is also a reflection on, you know, a topic that we've uh, discussed many, many times, of the course. easy accessibility of firearms in this country. Right. Uh, you have more firearms in this country than Americans, basically. Well, no, and it's just that the United States is 4% of the world population, but Americans own over 60% of the firearms in the world. So... Um, and this, but how that relates to the Supreme Court, Jamal, is that you're going to have a Supreme Court now that's, that's right. going to make it even more difficult around uh, any kind of legislation around background checks, 
around, you know, semi-automatic weapons against, you know, all of these weapons of mass destruction that get that get used. So um, this is going to be a generational shift. Yeah, and, and we should say, you know, I mean, this is not the first time. I mean, we we we, we talked about this topic so well, many I'm times. Sure, I'm sure we're going to continue. The killing of children, the attack in Las Vegas, the schools, and so forth, and every time. We say that our hearts uh, are with the families, friends, and loved ones of the victims, you know, as uh, we learn more about this terrible incident or uh, basically crime. So hopefully we will have more information to our listeners. Yeah, we'll have more information. We'll update you. And by the way, we are broadcasting on KPOO 89.5 FM. We are broadcasting on Facebook Live despite their attempts to silence us, to silence and ban us, we will continue to fight them 100%. And you know, you are listening to Arab Talk. You know, this I'm sorry to kind of harp on this, but I keep seeing people saying this is not our country, this is not the way Americans are when, when they're talking about separating, you know, basically infants, Jamal, who are still breastfeeding from their mothers. That they keep saying, well, this is not our country. Well, I have, it is. This is the United States. I mean, people have been in this diluted post-racial, you know, kind of delusion that somehow this is not the country we live in. It is absolutely the country we live in that we would separate children from their mothers, that we would indefinitely detain children and people of color who come here seeking asylum. And I want to remind our listeners, when you come here and are seeking asylum, that's legal. And despite what you hear, um, people saying that, you know, because we hear the president, we hear the attorney general, well, if you come to this country illegally, you, you have to suffer the consequences. Well, hey, you guys, asylum seekers are not breaking the law. It is not against the law to seek asylum in this country. So, um, yeah, that is this country where we're going to criminalize people of color. We're going to criminalize people who, in fact, uh, don't look like, uh, you know, who don't look like us. We're going to criminalize people who are just coming here because um, they want to save their children and their families. So uh, please don't say this is not this country because it is this country. It's, you know, how many years of slavery did we have? How many years did African-Americans languish and were unable to vote? How many native indigenous uh, folks in this country were killed, murdered, and slaughtered? So to to somehow say this is not the United States, uh, you know, you really have to look in the mirror and, and take a hard look. Now, if you don't want it to be that way, yeah, okay, that's a different story. But to say that's not who we are, um, you're kind of missing the boat about who's the president right now. Well, uh, we have to move a little bit to at least a happier there's no, news. No, there's no happy news. No, there is. There is. You know, uh, you know, I would say it is very. it has been very depressing. I have to say since uh, Donald Trump came into office, we've been slipping, you know, backward. And backward every single day, but there has been a at least a bit of happy news, and I think this What's is that? very important that the uh, the election of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, yes, Alexandria, the, right? Yeah, the twenty-eight year old Latina, yeah, running her first campaign, she ousted a ten-term incumbent, incumbent just yeah. rep, uh, representative Joe Crowley in New York's 14th uh, congressional district. I mean, Th- this that's is Queens and, and Bronx, I think. Uh, this is definitely it's uh, it's Queens uh, and part, I think, of the Bronx. I'm not sure, but uh, but anyway. You know what I loved about that story? It's uh, well, let me just say she's an activist yeah. and member of the Democratic Socialists of America. She self-identifies as a socialist. Yes, she self-identifies. <laughs> she's 20 years of age. Yes. She's been a pro-Palestinian 
from day one. Oh, she's always been pro. So, so this is this is actually it's it's very important. It's it's a very important message because they always say that if you are if you stand for the justice in Palestine, you'll never right. It's the third you'll rail. You'll never right. get elected. Right, right. To to Congress, and she she beat she had beaten all these odds. And she was elected. Oh, this is by a big margin. She was elected by over. The, I think the total number of votes was thirty thousand, and she won by six thousand votes. And she shocked the the establishment. Right. She shocked the Democratic Party's machine. Yeah, the elites. She's, she's outside this machine. Uh, Crowley was named, or at least was assumed to be. The you know at some point the next would, speaker the next speaker he, he was would, fourth in line. He, By he the way, he's considered the fourth most powerful Democratic. Yeah, but they were talking about him replacing Nancy Pelosi. Exactly. He's, yeah, is you know like and and now this whole equation has shifted. Has shifted. You know. So I I think I think that this is a big victory. I agree that, that it shows that there is. Light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, I disagree. That is and good no, news. No, 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 no. Because I tell you why. Because what's going on, and that's why we're seeing this surge in racism and xenophobia, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, all these crazy racism happening, and the white supremacy that we've been talking about, trying to kind of uh, now they're all coming out of the woodworks. Exactly. Because there is a panic. That there is a shift, number one, in demography, right? So, so the the demography in 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 her district, basically, uh, in Queens and, and and the Bronx, the minority is the majority, right? So, so there is a change in the you know, historically, believe it or not, I lived in Queens in her district when uh, I was a student, really, in Jackson Heights, really? in the seventies. Jackson Heights. Yeah, yeah there's a, that's, that's a very in, that's in Queens. But that's very diverse and, now. Well, it used to be old Irish families and yeah, white people and not the anymore. Colombians moved in and other communities. But anyway, there is a major shift. She has been publicly critical of course of the Trump administration. She has been publicly uh, critical of 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 the Democratic Party. She interned uh, for uh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Right. So she's kind of anti-establishment in in many in many ways, and she has been openly uh, pro-Palestinian and condemned uh, the Israeli uh, attacks on on Gaza, so calling calling their attacks a a massacre, and yet she got elected. She was elected. And I think the you'll see the Democratic Party leadership. They are very, very worried it, because if minorities unite, I, mean, I think this is the biggest thing, the, the biggest problem, and start now thinking about social issue issues that affecting them all, and and somehow start. And by the way, she she did not receive a single penny from well, corporate. But that's what I wanted to say about that, Jamal. Her, so she spent a total on her campaign of $100,000. Her competitor spent a million dollars. So she was outspent uh, $10 to every $1. She only spent $100,000. And the second thing I want to say is her platform was very interesting. She didn't go around criticizing Trump. She said, really what we need is a living wage you need to have a wage where you can live and not just barely survive. Medicare for everyone. Healthcare for everybody. Affordable housing. I mean, these are issues that are really affecting the majority of Americans to this day. I mean, the other thing, just to just kind of riff on this, with all everybody throwing up their hands about the Supreme Court and, and Trump and everything, slowly but surely— they are dismantling the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. And the thing that's going to be decided probably by the Supreme Court next term is going to be the legality of, every, of, the, of the pre-existing condition that right now under the Affordable Care Act, you are covered regardless of your pre-existing condition. That's being challenged in Texas. It'll make its way to the Supreme Court. The way the Supreme Court is going, we may not be covered for pre-existing conditions anymore. Anyways, that's what she was running on. She was running on health care 
for all, affordable housing, a living wage, and of course... And her district will know... Uh, in, uh, will, uh, she has, by the way, this is uh, basically the primaries, so she has right, to run Right, she has to run against the Republican, against which is... Republican, but in her district... She'll uh, win. She, she'll definitely win. Yeah. So that's at least a, a bit of happy news. Well, and it's not happy if you're Nancy Pelosi or you're part of no, the Democratic establishment. No, but I think this establishment. is the, the Democratic Party needs an overhaul, and they start. They need to start listening to the uh, people like her and people who are to the left, and stop, uh, you know, being in bed with uh, PACs like uh, the NRA right. and APAC. Well, APAC and, and, especially and, and corporate money. Right, and and there well, is a way f- for them. To really still win, absolutely. If they basically listen to absolutely. the sentiments of their constituencies, yeah, absolutely. And this is this is this is the reason why they mar- attempted to marginalize Bernie Sanders, Jamal. This is this is exactly she is the she is the embodiment of the Bernie Sanders uh, political. Um, you know, discourse. If if there's no, you know, if you want to put it that way, she was an intern with him. She she knows about it. She was very smart in her campaign, and uh, if you listen to her speak, as I did, you know, the last couple of days, not just amazingly articulate, but is able to like really understand what's happening in this country right now. Because she walks the streets. She yeah. doesn't live in her ivory towers yeah. like these senators and congressmen. They think it's for life. And exactly. That's what they think. And this is the sad thing about this system where you have senators and you have Congress people who get elected every year and after uh, after one another and they're just slaves to the corporate money and to APAC and to the NRA and to the drug companies and so forth. So That's hopefully right. this is going to change. I want to take us back to the Muslim ban because we get a lot of I get a lot of messages on Facebook and emails and you get questions and and we have to say a lot of uh, immigrants are very concerned a lot you know, of people in be. our community they should be Jamal and, and they feel like okay well I, I I'm not on on these countries like Libya Syria etc who are in the list of bans, but should I be concerned? Yes, here's the if answer. If you're not a U.S. citizen, yes. if you're not a U.S. citizen and you're a green card ho- green yes. card holder, and you let's should say be you were born in Jordan or yes. in another country Listen. in Algeria, and you're traveling, am I going to get harassed when I travel outside this country so and come back l- on on yeah, in let the me, airport? Let me be very clear to our brothers and sisters out there who either have green cards or are not here with uh, proper documentation. And I'll take it another level, even if you're naturalized. If you came from a Muslim-majority country, if you're asking me personally, should you be worried? I would say yes. You should be worried. And they are worried. And let, let me just say, you should, you should always carry a phone number of an attorney with you, always. And, you know, whether it's care or uh, another kind of uh, civil rights ACLU, but you should always carry a number with you uh, for an attorney or a legal aid society. Yes, you should be concerned if you travel. You should um, definitely prepare yourself in terms of knowing your rights. You know, if the FBI does come to your door, you don't have to let them in. You do not have to answer questions. You have the right to say no. You have the right not to answer any questions. You have the right to an attorney. We are headed for some very difficult times right now, Jamal. And, I mean, if if this is a country that believes that separating children from their parents and indefinitely detaining them without due process of law, then I say to our brothers and sisters, yes, and you should under worry. An, an administration uh, uh, that feels now that they have the support of the Supreme Court. Absolutely. So the question, are they going to exploit this? I, I, they will try to exploit this. I'm not trying to make people nervous, but I am trying to make people kind of wake up from the slumber of the feeling that this somehow won't affect you. It can 
It very well may. You have to be vigilant. Now, having said that, I will also say that this should be a wake-up call to everybody who says, why should I vote? My, uh, my, that's, my that's, vote doesn't matter because the only thing we have, the Supreme Court is against us. The Congress is against us. You have the full power the of the, sta- the administrate against us. The only power you have is the ballot box. And this is the... This is the, an important message because this is an issue not only within uh, our communities but in, in general with uh, minorities in general in this country. They really don't participate in this whole... Except Latinos. Except a little bit more. Um, uh, but it makes and a difference. African-Americans were energized when Barack Obama right. ran for office. But then afterwards, they, you know, when Hillary... Well, for worked, good reason. Well, uh, still, Honestly, for good reason. this is how we ended up with, well, aside from, you know, with Donald Trump. People, when you look, even when I looked at the election results in San Francisco... Uh, just to tell our listeners, this is the most progressive area. This is this is an island within the United States. This is a bubble within the United States. Yeah, and it's not the even most progressive area in in the whole country. We have the most intellectual people in this uh, entire country, surrounded by universities like UC Berkeley and Stanford University, and so forth. We had only less than uh, I think fifty two percent. Uh, people who showed up to vote. I'm for surprised the, it's that much for the mayoral elections. I, I, I I'm surprised it it's that. I'm surprised Maybe you're it's that even much. right, but but I'm I'm just saying. And this was an important race, and 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 you still the numbers are very very low. Well, that's the called turnout I, is but, very low. But I will say that's voter suppression, Jamal. And ultimately, what this is is a form of voter suppression because in all other countries, you can. You can vote a, a million ways uh, to heaven. You, you, you can vote over the course of the week. You, you don't have to vote only on a Tuesday in the middle of a work week. You can mail in your, va- your Maybe ballot. You can. You can get exactly. You I can mean, vote so, a month in advance. There's really, so many ways. Register. Right. But there's so many ways. But yet, and I understand this, people are afraid to put themselves out there. I will tell our brothers and sisters and anyone who's listening, the ultimately the only authority we have is going to be at the ballot box. That's it. And that's what we need to focus on because if you're unhappy about what's happening right now, the Supreme Court is not going to be on your side. The, de- the Department of Justice is not going to be on your side. Well, actually, within the next 10 years, there is the possibility of having three additional Supreme Court judges appointments. At least. At least. Yeah. So so uh, who is going to be in the White House will determine will determine the makeup of the future Supreme no, Court. No, I, I think that's right, Jamal. But the thing that I'm more worried about, honestly, is because the Kennedy spot on the Supreme Court was seen as they swing vote. You know, you have four conservative, four progressive or liberal judges. You always needed to have typically one judge who was open-minded, who could go one way or the gone. other. It's halas, as we say in Arabic. It's It's gone. I do want to leave some time because a friend of yours is going to be breaking some news soon. Who's that? That's Jared Kushner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we will talk. We should talk we have, about. We the, have time to talk about the new Middle East peace, peace plan, which I wanted to just w- kind of spell we, out the outline. But I have a quick message. Oh, okay. uh, before we start talking about this, and we you know we talk a lot about the falafel experts that we see on. There TV are many falafel experts all the time. Now we have the Muslim experts. Who's the next Muslim expert, uh, on Jamal? Fox News, CNN. Who is anyone, it? Anyone who is not a Muslim and anyone who is not. <laughs> so I have a little message for them. All these falafel experts. Since now. They they wanna all these experts and media pundits wanna discuss the Muslim ban. Let's agree on one proper pronunciation. It's 
Muslims. It's the Muslim ban. It's not Muslims. Muslims. It's or Muslims. So, <laughs> so this is this is just, just pronounce my it correctly. At least pronounce it correctly. I think that's a really good and, point. And now let's, uh, yeah. Please, so just please just, let just, me know. Just your friend Jared Kushner, who was unable to obtain a top security clearance, um, has been tasked with creating a, a Middle Eastern peace plan. And he's been very busy, Jamal. He's been meeting with Mohammed bin Salman. He's been meeting with King Abdullah. He's been meeting with the emirs, the emirate emirs in uh, UAE. He's very, very busy guy. And this week he was very critical of uh, Abu Mazen uh, because apparently Abu Mazen, he was there to visit Abu Mazen he was talking to everybody except the Palestinians, of course. So Jared Kushner's peace plan was, well, Jared Kushner and Netanyahu are on the same page. Obviously, they're p close personal family friends. He has the Gulf countries all lined up. He has Sisi in his pocket. The last person or the last group of stakeholders that he even chose to talk to after the deal was done were the Palestinians. Well, there is a beautiful picture, actually. People can Google it. It's, it's very of, telling. Of Abu Mazen you, and Jared Kushner? No, 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 no. You don't, even, you, don't even have to, you don't even have to read the story behind. And uh, maybe uh, I think I've posted the picture uh, on my Facebook page. But it basically, it's Netanyahu sitting with Jared Kushner, with Jason Greenblatt, and David Friedman. Solving the and they are you know they have this kind of like this huddle around yes you know the table discussing the future Middle East plan that Jared Kushner is about to announce this week. Okay, I have the so, Middle Eastern so peace plan. So this is five ultra right Zionists, right? Basically, what they are discussing the peace plan and not even including uh, you know half of the stakeholders. It's it's the classic colonial oppressive mentality. It's it's not a peace plan. It's talking to all the people who have power and then forcing this peace plan on top of the heads of the people who are most effective and most oppressed. Anyways, let's cut to the chase. A few details have leaked out about this beautiful, complex, nuanced peace plan. I can boil it down into a sentence or two, Jamal. Okay. Here it is. If the Palestinians want international aid, they must accept their fate as being occupied and oppressed. That's the peace plan. Mm -hmm. If you want money from the United States, if you want your tax dollars from the Israelis, if you want money from Saudi Arabia and the Gulf. That's condition number one. That's condition number one. You must accept being an occupied people. You must accept being occupied and oppressed. You must give up the right of return. You must get up the, give up the idea of a contiguous uh, and Palestinian. continuous Palestinian state. You must give up Jerusalem. And if you don't agree to being a slave and to being occupied, we are going to basically take every single cent of aid, support, from from you. So well, they've already. By the way, the United States, the Congress uh, has recently already cut, cut, right. cut the aid to the Palestinians. Authority, right? But you're right. The the plan, the great plan, the great brilliant the, plan the, of the, Jared Kushner, the uh, deal of the century, the deal of the, the century, deal right. of the century. Right. He's brilliant. In Arabic, we call it tabkhat al qarn, which <laughs> means the. Whatever they're cooking, they're cooking the meal of the century. <laughs> the meal of the century. So, so the deal of the century uh, that uh, Jared Kushner is going to be presented. You're absolutely right. One is forget about the the, the, the two-state uh, solution and independence. Palestinians have to accept Israel, recognize it as a Jewish state, accept that they've been uh, occupied. They will invest money in developing Gaza. That's number one. Right. And the money, who's going to pay for that? Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Arab countries. Right. That's why uh, Jared Kushner and Greenblatt, etc. they've been meeting with uh, MBS and everybody. You know, with them. So they'll get the money. So they want to, they actually are saying they want to make 
Gaza like Singapore. Well, that's what that's they said. Ab- that's what they said and, about North Korea. And, and have <laughs> a por- and have a port for them and whatever. And the West Bank, whatever left of the West Bank, forget about area, what they call Area C, Jerusalem. That's not subject to discussion. You'll have some sort of uh, bantustans, uh, bantustans, autonomy. And a confederation. That's the key word. A confederation not with a state. Jordan. With Jordan. Right, not That's a state. That's why King Abdullah was in the White House this week. No, the the thing that I heard, Jamal. And, and he's resisting this. No, that's, that's what I was going to tell he's you. He's resisting this, but they've called him to the White House because they, they're feeling basically everyone. And I can tell you, I don't know about the King Abdullah and what he agreed or what he didn't agree because I know... At least my sources tell me that he's against it, and he. I've heard the and, same. And but Saudi Arabia signed off. Qatar signed off, etc. They all signed off. Everybody signed They're off. They're ready. It. The Palestinians yet again have been sold down the, the river. river. I will. You're right, Jamal. So, so, but, but Abu Mazen has said no. This is what we've heard so far. Well, you know, it's not uh, that he has uh, a choice. What, what choice does he have? He he doesn't. What influence does he have? No, he doesn't. But he's being strong-armed by all. But I will say this: I whatever Abu Mazen says or doesn't say, this is not. This brilliant plan by Jared Kushner is never going to come to fruition. And actually, I have the picture here. Let's see if our viewers— Can you show them? Basically, our Is that viewers, the picture of the— Yes, our viewers basically—I posted it on Facebook. But these are the guys. These are the men who are deciding the fate of the— So it's Greenblatt, the entire Middle, Middle East. Greenblatt, Friedman, Kushner, and Netanyahu. Now, if you can't believe a group like that, who can you believe, Jamal? That seems like a very trustworthy, kind of upright, transparent, you know, group of individuals. I mean, you, you could see that my sarcasm is dripping here. But listen, this is a non-starter. Palestinians will never accept being occupied. Palestinians will never give up the right of return. Palestinians will never give up Jerusalem. Palestinians will never accept being you know, uh, you know, not having their country back. So I it, urge our listeners and viewers in Palestine to actually put in their windows, on their cars, scary signs, and basically the signs that say "not for sale." Not for sale in both Arabic and English, English, and they should put it in Hebrew too. I you know, I, not for sale. Not for sale because this is the plan. It's another plan, basically. And sadly, the so-called Arab countries, the wealthy Arab countries, sold us again. Sold Palestinians down the river, and on this note, and we're coming to yeah. an end to another. Send us your comments. Uh, send to us your comment. And and by the way, uh, those who uh, were listening to us on Facebook, make sure you share our videos. And we're not going to be silenced. We will never be silenced. Send us your comments to ArabTalk at KPOO.com. Watch us on Facebook Live at Jamal Dejani 2. Twitter is ArabTalk. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.